Stephen Thomas. Do you know that name? Stephen Thomas. He's um, German-born, and he is a programmer, a computer programmer, who lives in San Francisco. And he has a problem. He has two guesses left to figure out a very important password. Because if he cannot figure out this password, he will lose forever $220 million. He's got two chances left to remember a password to his Bitcoin account. I don't know if you've ever heard of Bitcoin. Um, it may not be familiar to you, and if not, I'm going to try and give you the shortest summary I can without completely ruining it for those who do know what Bitcoin is. Bitcoin is simply a digital currency, and it allows anyone to open up a bank account digitally and hold on to that money and earn interest without the government's or any institution or organization's oversight. It, unlike any traditional networks like Visa or MasterCard or Discover or American Express, the Bitcoin network is not run by a traditional person or a traditional organization. It's actually run by a network of decentralized computers all around the world that track the worth and the transactions for Bitcoin, similar in the way that Wikipedia has all of its information decentralized by all of the hundreds of thousands of contributors so that no one person controls the truth. Now, because of this, because of the way that Bitcoin is structured, people really, really like it, but it's really, really volatile. It can go up and down fluctuating wildly at its price point and its worth and its value over a period of time. A uh, number of Christmases ago, one of our uh, Christmas gifts that we were given as a family was $20 uh, uh, Canadian worth of Bitcoin, which was worth 0.00001% of a Bitcoin. However, over the... Uh, length of time that we've had it, it has since grown. It first grew slowly, except for these last few months, it has just exponentially exploded in value. Now, we only have a small amount, but it's more than doubled in its, in its value in American currency, which is really, really surprising. And as of last week, the value of Bitcoin as a whole has gone up 50%. I don't know of any other investment, I don't know of any other savings account that can say that. It has a wild fluctuation in its value, and it has gone up and up and up over this last month. And Mr. Thomas would like his money, and he can't get it. He feels locked out. The problem is, Mr. Thomas lost the piece of paper that had the password to the program that he used to access uh, his Bitcoin money it, to something called Iron Key. And that program gives users 10 guesses before the, pass, before the account is just gone, and no one can ever access it ever again.
Iron Key doesn't know the password because it's all decentralized. All of the different pieces are broken up, all decentralized over the network. No one can go and hack into one computer and say, ha, here's your password. It's spread out all over the world. Little bits and pieces of the password are like the little bits and pieces of the Bitcoin. No one can find all of the pieces to put it together. He's tried eight times to figure out what his password is to no avail. I would lay in bed and just think about it, Mr. Thomas said. I would have a eureka moment, an epiphany, and I would go to my computer and I would type in what I thought was the answer, and then it would not work, and I would be desperate again. Of the Bitcoin in the world, of all the people that own Bitcoin in the world, studies show that around 20% of it, 20% of the people who hold Bitcoin accounts cannot remember their passwords. Lost. As the income goes up and up and up, they are locked out. They are on the outside looking in. They know it's their money. They know it's their fortune. $220 million, that's a lot of zeros, right? That can make a lot of difference, and yet, for him, it's gone. According to the New York Times, where I met Stephen Thomas, Bitcoin owners who are locked out of their wallets speak of endless days and nights in frustration as they have tried to get access to their actual fortunes. Many have owned the Bitcoins uh, since Bitcoin early days, a decade ago, when no one had confidence that the tokens would be worth anything. And all of them describe that same feeling that uh, uh, Thomas has. A feeling of desperation. That they're on the outside looking in. That this wealth is theirs and they have no way of getting it. That's the first time I've actually heard of people being locked out of material wealth like this. I don't see that often in my life. I don't know of many people who say, yeah, if only I could remember my password, I have $220 million I'd like to use, right? I don't know of many people like that. Probably you may not as well. I'm not sure if you do, if you're watching online. And uh, if you do, God bless you. Those are nice friends to have. But I may not know a lot of people who feel locked out from their wealth in a material sense, but I do know a lot of people who feel like they're on the outside looking in, who are locked out of their spiritual wealth, their spiritual lives. They feel, because they are, and they really feel it like when they look at their lives, they're on the outside looking in when it comes to the life that Jesus promised. I mean, Jesus promised life and life to the full, right? And he said that, yes, the road is narrow, the road that leads to life. So it, it's not going to be an easy road, it's not going to be a hard road, but along that journey, along that way, there's going to be difficulty for Christians. And yet there's going to be advantages that we can have, that we only have because of our faith. And there are those who say, who come to me, and maybe you've had people come to you as well saying, I feel like I'm locked out. 
like the things that Jesus promised us as I follow him, as I obey him, I'm not receiving. I feel like I'm just struggling over and over and over again. Where is God? Is he real? How come he didn't do this? How come it's not really making a difference in my life? I hear that more and more and more. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about God's holiness. How God's holiness as the king of kings is not something that he withholds from those that he created in his image, but it's something that he offers to us in love through atonement. And it's accessible to us as we come in faith and repent and believe that we have a turnaround and a change of lives. We've talked about that over these last two weeks. But then what? We recognize who God is in His holiness. We receive His atonement. We worship Him for His love. We repent of our sins and we turn to struggle. We we, we turn to do what? Today we're going to talk about a trap that we need to avoid. We're going to Uh, talk about spirit empowerment this morning. And I think you might be surprised, I know I was, when it came to the idea of talking about the filling, the indwelling, the empowerment, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Because there's a trap that we need to avoid, avoid when we think about what it means to be filled with God's Spirit. That is our next step. We encounter the holiness of God, we receive atonement, we repent of our sin, and we are to be filled with the Spirit. Well, what on earth is that? Dan Bull is the Alliance uh, Youth Ministries National Director, and he was the one who put together a number of these sermon notes from our passage today, very thankful for that, and he said this, One of the great struggles in following Jesus is that we are either doing it in our own strength and willpower or we are doing it with Jesus' strength and His power. That is the difference between being Spirit-filled and not being Spirit-filled. So we need to talk about this. If this is the life, if this is the key, if this is the password that unlocks the life that God wants us to have and enjoy, then we need to know what this password is. We need to know what spirit empowerment is. And to show you what that is and how it works in our lives, would you grab your Bibles and turn with me in them to Romans chapter 8. It's in Romans chapter 8 that we see two things. Two things that are really two sides of the same coin. They operate together. You can't do one without the other. They have to happen at the exact same time. So many people have confused spirit empowerment with with there's some kind of mystical force or energy in a room or in a place. So many people have confused that uh, the Holy Spirit is some kind of uh, emotional uh, response that is exciting and and tingly in some way. But it's not. That's actually more like Star Wars and the Force and sensing those things and, and using your emotions in the proper way. That's not what spirit empowerment is. It's actually much, much simpler than you might imagine to experience the indwelling of the Holy Spirit 
in your life. And we see this in Romans chapter 8, starting right in the first verse. We're going to have the slides on the screen for you, but if you've got your Bible, uh, break it out, follow along, take some notes uh, in your margin. Um, I think it'll be incredibly helpful. I know I found Dan Bull's notes incredibly helpful. We read this. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus... The law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Let me read that again. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. What Paul is describing here to the Roman Christians is that there's two kinds of laws that we kind of follow. And as Christians, we're still not fully aware of what God is wanting to do in our lives by giving us the Holy Spirit. What he's saying is, is that freedom and faith come from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and no other way. It is the Spirit who gives life. It is not any other source that gives the kind of life that God wants to give us through Jesus. In other words, religion, regulations, and rules are not the same as faith and freedom. Religion, regulation, and rules are not the same as faith and freedom. Well, what on earth does all of that mean? Well, here's how the two laws kind of work in our natural lives. We see this in our everyday life. It's not just in, you know, the Bible and our practice as Christians. We see this in everyday life. When we join a club, what's the first thing they tell us? You go to join the gym. You've got a goal to lose some weight. What's the first thing they tell you? The rules. They tell you what the rules are. Here's our hours when you can come. Here's how many visitors you can bring with you. They teach you. Here are the rules of using the machine, right? Here's the rules of this is what you can do. If you try to take out your cell phone while you're on the treadmill, someone may come running up to you and say, that's against the rules. If you go to work, the first thing that they give you as as you get a new job is what? Training. So that you can get an employee manual to know what the rules are at your job. What is it that they want you to accomplish? Our natural desire in every arena of life is that the rules are what give us structure. The rules are what give us freedom. We do it in every area of life. We do it in our family. We do it at our work. We do it in our hobbies. Our natural desire wants a law that earns or justifies our worth. And we do the same thing with God. We do the same thing with our faith. When we come, when we recognize that God is holy, when we come and we want to uh, be atoned for, we receive that, we repent, and we have a turnaround in our lives, and we start to walk, we want to know from God, what are the rules? What does it mean to walk in your ways? That's what we want. But religion and regulation has an opposite effect. Because with God's rules, there's no way to keep them all. And because God is holy, all God's rules and regulations do is put a weight on us 
that proves our inability to earn his favor. All it does is show us over and over again how we fail. And the law of death is because of sin. When we break God's laws, when we don't follow them completely, it causes death in our lives. The wages of sin is death, Paul would write in five chapters before. That's the cost, is that we die. It costs us. Our faith dies when we try to reduce it to a set of rules. And what Dan says I thought was so helpful. He said, our spirit is perpetually defeated and weakened when we look for laws of religion and regulation and rules to give us life. Because they don't. God has done something different. And he says he's given us a spirit of life. A holy spirit. His spirit. In other words, it's not about regulation. It's not about rules. It's not about religion. It's about relationship. And in the same way that you have relationships with people in this room, with people at your home, with people at your work, God wants you to have a relationship with Him. And He wants to be so close to you that He has given you the Holy Spirit to come and dwell inside in the innermost parts of your being, your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, in other words, your will, so that He can talk directly to you at any moment's notice. He wants that relationship. And what Paul is saying here is simply saying, remember what got you free in the first place. What got you free in the first place? Did you have to go to God and say, God, here's my resume. I deserve salvation. I deserve atonement. I deserve to be right with you. And did God say, Wow, that's a really impressive resume. Thanks so much for giving that to me. Uh, that is clear that you, you are on the inside, not the outside. You have earned your way in. Has God ever said that to anyone? Of course not, because we all have sinned. What brought us into relationship with Him was believing that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sins and purchased atonement for us. It gave us life. And if it could do that... If it could raise us from the spiritually dead state that we were in to life in Christ now in this moment, then it will continue to give us life. Remember what got you here in the first place. Speaking of uh, trying to lose weight when people do want to go to the gym, it's now January 17th, right? A lot of people made some uh, New Year's resolution 17 days ago. I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to do the thing and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to shed some pounds and we're going to, I'm going to get in shape. But then they follow the rules and by the 17th day or, you know, maybe the second day they go, man, this is really, really hard because they focus on the rules and not on the life that comes from getting into shape. And weight loss experts tell us this, that when you have become healthy is when you have broken the addictions to what got you to out of shape in the first place. 
when you have broken the addictions and the old relationship that you had with, with food or maybe laziness or just consumption or uh, you just didn't want to be healthy, you had a different mindset, when you change that and you have a different relationship to where you no longer want the foods that got you there, you no longer want the activity that puts you in the unhealthy situation, that's the freedom you're after. And the things that you do to get there are not what you fall in love with. They just go, these are the things that free me. I want this attitude. I want this relationship to food, to exercise, to health. You just don't feel the desire to have those old things anymore. You have a different appetite. You aren't addicted anymore. That you want something else. I think that's true for any sin in our lives that would keep us from enjoying life in Christ and the fullness that he has for us. We lose the appetite for it because we want something better. We do this in every real relationship that we have, right? We want to be with our spouse. We want to be with our kids. We want to enjoy them. We want to... And so we remember to prioritize them. Paul is saying here, not that we'll never be tempted again, that we'll never think, oh gosh, that's something else I might want. But it does mean I'm choosing something better. I want something better. I want this. I want to have this. And all he's saying is what got you out of death in the first place is what keeps you alive it's a relationship with Jesus. And that's what the Holy Spirit is here to do, is to give you a quality relationship with Jesus Christ. In other words, don't forget to dance with the one who brought you. Don't look for someone else on the dance floor when someone else brought you to the dance in the first place. Dance with them. Dance with Jesus. Because he is the one who continues to give life. So the question is, how do we do that? Because it doesn't simply mean that we get to do whatever we want if we have a relationship with Jesus. It means something different. Holy Spirit fulfillment, the Spirit of Jesus fulfillment needs to be nurtured. It needs to be nurtured. The nurturing of that, the dancing with the one who brought you is what gives you the empowered life. We read this in Romans 8 verse 5 and 6. Those who live according uh, to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. Uh, but those who live in a accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life. And peace. Here Paul describes a couple of benefits of what it means to walk with Jesus. He says that there's the ability to know and discern the will of God. When we walk with Jesus, we get a sense of what God is up to in the world. We see his big plan because we know 
from Scripture what God is up to. And we sang a lot about that today. That God was and is and is coming. Right? That's the promise in Revelation chapter 4 that is just exciting and overwhelming that God is coming to fix this. And we know that God is active in the world today, that He is at work. He is wanting to accomplish something. And it's through Scripture and the and the Holy Spirit acting as our counselor, uh, which Jesus tells us he will do in John 17, where the counselor will come and remind us of what we've learned from Scripture and teach us what we don't so that we can then do something with the knowledge of God's will. I think this also shows up just personally, uh, practically speaking, in God's personal will for your life. Many Christians would describe it, and it's not really a, a firmly... Uh, developed theology, but uh, the metaphor of asking God to open and shut a door so that He can give you more insight into choices that you need to make. Problem is, sometimes He doesn't always open and close a door. Two doors remain open, and you have to choose which one is better, and I want to give you some insight as to how that works. Because, like any relationship A relationship needs to be fed or it dies. It's either growing or dying. There is no static relationship. It's always being poured into or it's always being drawn from. There is no static relationship. It's always on the move. That's true with all earthly relationships and that's true with our spiritual relationship with Jesus and God as well. And that relationship is fed in the minds. Check out the verse again. Romans 8 verse 5 says, those who live according to, their, to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. And what does the Spirit desire? Ultimately, it's to produce this in you, which we see in Galatians 5. We want to see love, the fruit of the Spirit, the outpouring of that relationship is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. This is a great evaluation. For whether you are walking in step with the Spirit or not, are the things that you are producing in your life and through your life the fruit of the Spirit? What a great list for us to process through. And God, as I have this view politically, as I have this view economically, as I have this view uh, about my vocation and my work, am I seeing these things come up in my life as I think about my, poli- my political view, as I think about my economic view, as I think about my, my family and my relationship and my view on marriage, are those things coming up? And if you really want to know, ask your spouse whether they see these things coming up in you as you talk about them, as you describe them, as you act on them. This is just the results of feeding this relationship. It's the benefits. It's the people don't go and say, wow, I see you do eight exercises at the gym. No, they go, wow, you're clearly in shape. And that's what people are looking for 
from us. That's what we're looking for in ourselves as we walk in the Spirit. And it's all activated by what we focus our mind on. What do we want? We naturally think about those we love. We naturally think about the things that we love. We think about our favorite sports team because we like our favorite sports team. We think about our favorite food because we like our favorite food. We think about our hobbies, we think about our activities, and we think about those things because those are the things we love. What do we think about? God. What comes up? Is He a priority to our lives? Do we think about Him often? Do we think about what He wants often? When we start to process that and we focus our mind, what does the Spirit want? What does the Spirit want in this situation? In the same way that I ask, gosh, what would Krista want me to do about dinner tonight? I know what Josh would like me to do about dinner tonight. What would Krista want me to do about dinner tonight? And I sacrifice for that. That shows that I'm putting my mind to what she wants. And that is the key. That is the password to spirit empowerment when we start to yield our lives to not what we want to not what we love but to say i don't always do the right thing spirit what do you want in this moment jesus what do you want in this conversation jesus what do you want out of our politics jesus what do you want out of our economics what do you want out of our home economics Jesus, what do you want in our marriage? What do you want for me as a parent? What do you want for me who's wanting to honor my parents? What do you want me to do? Help me do it. Setting our mind to the things of the Spirit and what He wants to do, which are clearly revealed in His Word, help you unlock Spirit empowerment in your life. And again, if we fail to feed the Spirit, we will feed the flesh. There is no sitting at the light waiting to accelerate again. It's either you're going forward or you're going backwards. It's either you're going deeper into the relationship or you're walking away from the relationship. That's how idolatry starts. That's why God often calls idolatry adultery. What happens when a husband walks away from his wife, what happens when a wife walks away from her husband in adultery? It starts here. It starts with, this person makes me feel better, makes me feel more special, but there's an entertainment in your mind that says, I want this more than this. And it is interesting that we can commit spiritual adultery when we say to God, I know this is what you want, but I'm going to focus my mind on these other things because this is what I want. This is going to make me happy. This is going to make my uh, culture and my country happy. This is going to change the world. This, this is really what has to happen. I don't want that. I want this. And spirit empowerment comes when we sacrifice those things in our mind and say, not my will but your will. I know I want this. I want there to be another way. And if there is another way, let's do that. But not my will, your will. 
And so this empowerment of the Holy Spirit starts with the mind. It is a relationship that must be fed where you choose to ask, what is it that you want, God? What is it that you want me to do in this situation? And how can I be sure that I am giving evidence of these fruit that the Spirit is truly in my life? How can I make those choices? How can I make loving choices? How can I make joyful decisions, joyful, peaceful decisions? How can I be patient in this situation? How can I be kind in this situation? You are truly free when you choose to set your mind to follow the Spirit's leading. And the benefits? Life. And in the middle of all your circumstances, peace. Paul would later say in the church, uh, to the church in Philippi, he would write them and say, it will be a peace that doesn't always make sense. And it's not the absence of conflict. You could be in the worst work situation or marriage situation or situation with your family or the country could be in the worst situation you could possibly believe and yet there will be peace. Because you are asking and submitting your mind to the spirit of Jesus. And isn't that what he says later on in Romans chapter 12? I mean, I think he's giving it away. He's kind of setting us up for the big chapter, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Let us offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Be renewed in your mind. The feeding of the relationship starts with what do I think? Will I sacrifice what I want for what God wants to do in the world? Will Will I set my life to it? And that's what the Holy Spirit empowerment is. It's not a mystical moment of emotion, of a, of a supernatural force that uh, um, is in all things and binds us all together. It's not that. It's not a moment in a song where we're just elevated to another plane of, of, of worship. Those are all neat things and, and wonderful things to experience. But it is a deliberate choice of the mind to say, I want to do what God would do in this situation. A number of years ago, there were some youth bracelets that were distributed with uh, WWJD on them. And there were these uh, sort of rubber bracelets that you'd go on your wrist and you'd look at them every once in a while and they stood for, what would Jesus do? I'm convinced that one of the challenges that we have as Christians is that we act out before we think that question, what would Jesus do? But when we start to ask that question, when we start to say, I know what I'd like, God, but not my will, your will be done, what do you want to accomplish? When we start to evaluate, are we seeing these things come about in my life, the fruit of the Spirit developing in me and in my relationships, are we seeing those things? And if not, Lord, help me. I want to do better. I want to, because it's you. I want you in this world. I want you in this situation. I want you in me. It is the same power that shows up when you were first saved. The one who got you here 
is the one who keep, will keep you here. So keep your mind focused on him. Moment by moment. Day by day. Because when you are filled with the spirit. You are truly free to live in his power. Some questions for you as we wrap up this morning. Uh, you'll be discussing them in your growth groups this week. Uh, you're also welcome to uh, journal about them. As you're, if you're here with us this morning, driving home, talk about them uh, with someone that you came with. Uh, if you're watching online, uh, ask some of these questions. Uh, you'll be able to uh, see the link uh, directly. Uh, our, our hosts will be linking them in the, ch in the chat for you so you can uh, see them as well and you can keep a copy uh, as well. So uh, here they are. Question one, in your experience, how have you seen Christians try to live in their own strength, a.k.a. the nature of the flesh? Question two, review, read again Galatians 5, 22 through 25. Which of these fruits is being grown at this time in your life? How are you setting your mind to keep in step with where the Holy Spirit is leading you, is asking you to go? And question three. Review and read again Romans 8, 5, and 6. How can Christians have their mind governed by the Spirit to experience life and peace? And when you're with your group or talking to someone and you want to share kind of how you would like them to support you, Make it a personal question. Instead of how can Christians have their mind governed, how can you have your mind governed? Where do you need help? How can your friends, how can your family, how can your Christian brothers and sisters pray for you and support you so that your mind is governed by the Spirit, so that you experience life and peace no matter what you are facing? It is when we are filled that we are free. So let's set our minds on the freedom that Jesus wants to bring through us through the indwelling of his spirit. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray and ask that you would be with each one of us And that you would help us honestly to know where we need to focus our minds more on you. On what you want in the situations we are facing and the things that trouble us in this world. We want to focus our minds on what you want to accomplish in those situations. And we trust you. That the same power that raised us to spiritual life from death, that saved us, will sanctify us. And that you will renew our minds. That you will reveal your will and that you will grant us real life and real peace which is only found in relationship with you. Lord, would you forgive us for anything that might have caused us to replace that relationship with a set of rules. Maybe that's we've 
been mad at others that they don't go to church as much as we do or we've beaten ourselves up that we don't go to church enough. And Lord, today is the day to renew that relationship. Lord, I pray that you would begin to and continue to develop the fruit of a spirit-empowered life that is the fruit that you want to see in us, that we would be people who love sacrificially, who know joy and peace no matter the suffering, no matter the persecution, no matter the tribulation, that you would help us to be patient and kind and good as Jesus is patient and kind and good with us. Would you help us to be faithful, gentle, and self-controlled as we surrender our minds to you? And would you fill us with your spirit as we set our minds to what you want to accomplish in us and through us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.